Thank you for joining me today. We'll continue on our theme, Thriving in Adversity. And we started off by looking at how God gives us songs in the night, where the night time symbolically represents our adversities, the trials, the temptations, and the difficulties that we go through. And the general feeling is that in order to thrive in the midst of adversity, we need to have a certain perception of God. We need to have a certain relationship with God because in the midst of that adversity, God drops a song in our hearts so that even when sorrow, confusion, and pain surrounds us, we can still find a song to sing. So if we are ever going to thrive in the midst of adversity, we need to be able to tap into that sweet communion with God, our maker. And we have an inkling of that in Job chapter, in the book of Job chapter 35 and the verse 10, which was our theme for the previous talk that we had, where Elihu was telling Job that nobody really calls God and reaches out to God. He says, but no one says, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night? So the feeling is in the midst of that darkness, and we saw the example with the case of Jacob on that lonely journey, not knowing where he was going, and God visiting him in the night and showing him his faithfulness, his mercies, and how God assured him that he was going to carry him throughout his journey. In much the same way, when we face adversity, when we face all those trials and difficulties that life throws at us and sometimes God takes us through those things for his own purposes, our heart attitude can only be right if we are able to tap into the resources that we can only find in God. So we'll continue with that same theme today that is our song in the night by looking at another person who also had difficult moments came to a point in life where he's, he's done everything right and yet every step of the way it seems like nothing is ever going to change. And in those moments, how God came in to assure him and what God did is what I want us to explore today. I'm talking about Abraham. If you go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 15, at this point, God had spoken to Abraham, let's say, way back when it was like 70 years thereabout. And then 
it giving him this promise that he should leave his father's house and everything by age 75 god assured him that he was going to bless his descendants and all of that so abraham has a certain awareness of god's goodness remember he he came from a, a society that worshiped idols his own father worshiped idols but abraham didn't so there is something in him that god could work with and god continued assuring him giving him promises and all well he was aging and still those promises aren't coming through it might feel the same way with us we've done all the right things we've been in church we've believed on the promises of god we've done everything but it looks like all those promises are just fleeting dreams that we keep chasing and nothing seems to work it's just leaping from one crisis to the other abraham was there and in bible says in verse one says after these things we will explore what god meant or the bible means by these things later on bible says the word of the lord came unto abraham in a vision saying fear not abraham i'm thy shield and thy exceeding great reward um if somebody comes to your door and greets you say hi how are you don't be afraid that might seem a bit awkward why would god tell abraham not to be afraid god knows the thoughts that comes into our heads he knows our feelings our emotional distresses our anguish he knows it so if there's any word that abraham needed god came to tell him that god came to give him that assurance and god is always straight to the point he doesn't mean words he says everything that he needs to say with the fewest possible words so you clearly understand that so abraham must have been in a place of uncertainty the place of not knowing the place of fear that is why god said don't be afraid and then he says he is his shield and exceeding great reward so god is telling abraham precisely you don't need to get anxious you don't need to worry if you have me in your corner everything is going to be fine i'm your reward that is a tremendous promise if god comes and he says i'm your reward and look at abraham's response well god you are saying you are my reward and i shouldn't be afraid and you are my shield what do shields do they protect us from incoming anguish pain and all that you use a shield to protect yourself so literally god is saying that he's going to stand between abraham and what might seek to harm him well let's hear what abraham says and abraham said lord what would thou give me seeing i go childless and the steward of my house is this eliezer of damascus so abraham if god you said you are my reward and my shield and i shouldn't be afraid what will you give me you see what will you give me that is a very valid question maybe you have tried or we have tried so hard to 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 be in god's house to do all the right things obey his words and all and yet those changes those 
things we aspire, those dreams, those visions are never getting anywhere. So it is a legitimate question Abraham is asking. I have needs, he seems to be saying to God. I have needs, real needs. I'm under stress right now, God. There are things that are not working right in my life right now. I have issues. God, I have issues. How long those things might have been with us? Maybe decades. Yes, we don't know. But Abraham, since that conversation with God, way back when he told him that he was going to move out of where they were and move into the land of Canaan. It's, it's been a while, almost pushing on 10 years. And nothing. So it is a legitimate question when he asks God, what will you give me? I don't know what your, your, your situation is. Maybe you're also panicking. Life had thrown you a lot of curveballs. And like Abraham, you know the promises of God. You know the word of God. And you seem to be asking yourself, what will you give me? Lord, what will you give me? And he was specific. He said, I go childless. That is a big deal. I mean, if there are families who might have been in the same situation with Abraham, seeking the fruit of the womb in any way. You know, and maybe besides that, it could be issues of lack of fulfillment in life, in some other aspect of our lives. And we are, we, we are craving fulfillment. So Abraham was asking God, is this man from Damascus, this Syrian steward in my house, is he going to be the one to inherit all that you have told and promised me? That is totally inadequate, God. So God told him in verse 3, he says, no, I'm going to, behold, you have not given me seed. And I know that one who is born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came again unto him, saying, Thou shalt not, this shall not be the heir, but he shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be the heir. So God is saying, look, I am wholesome. I'm going to honor that word. I'm going to do all that I promised to you. This Eliezer of Damascus is not going to be your head. It's going to be somebody that is coming out of your womb, out of your own bowels, from your own body. Wow. And the Bible says in verse 5, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. It is tough to conceptualize having children when you are in the twilight of your, of your years. At this point, Abraham is almost pushing 80. Sarah is old. And practically, humanly speaking, it's just not possible. And the conclusion maybe any other person will make is, look, it's not going to happen. I'm way, way, way past that point. I don't know what curveball's life might have thrown at you. This might be your night time where you are not getting that fulfillment. You've been in church, you've done everything that you can and your biggest trial is that lack of fulfillment. Seeing the word of God translated into your life and you are at the point of quitting, throwing in the towel and saying, look, this thing doesn't work. I'm just going to hang in anyway. At least I punch my ticket to heaven. No. God is faithful. And at this point, God had to help Abraham 
to visualize what he planned to do. So he brought him out. If Abraham couldn't imagine having children, God had to use a natural concept to bring him to visualize, to see how he was going to fulfill his word. Sometimes we need to step out of ourselves. Maybe all we have been seeing is just the empty crib. All we have been seeing is just the failures, the rejection letters, and maybe the blow up of every relationship that you, you, you try to get into towards settling down and starting a family. Maybe that is all you've been saying. It's about time you began to see things from God's perspective. To get out of that bubble and begin to see the expanse of what God really wants to do. To change the view, to change the perception. That is going to sow a seed in your spirit to help you to believe. And that is what God did. So he brought him out, he showed him everything, and Abraham's response is what I want us to look at in verse 6. Bible says, and he believed in the Lord, and he, he being God, counted it to him, that is Abraham, for righteousness. Abraham accepted the imagery that God had painted. He decided to shift from that chronic failure, that chronic impossibilities, and then he embraced the totality of what God was showing him. And that was a conscious decision Abraham had to make. Like we always say, this is a door that only you can open. To choose to believe what God is saying, which is contrary to your situation. So right now your situation may be detecting that you are heading completely towards failure and your life is never going to change. But if you choose to believe, what does believe mean? It means to lean on, to depend upon. So we are talking about shifting what you are depending on from your natural circumstances to another view which God is creating. And you need to make, it's a conscious decision. It's not a reflex. You need, believing is a decision that you make. I'm going to believe your word, oh God. Right now, I have no other alternative. I'm just going to throw myself on your word. With regards to this sickness, that is all I'm feeling, the symptoms and the pain. But I know that you have healed me. So I'm going to choose to believe your healing and I'll lock myself into that place. Paul gave a little bit of explanation on this. That is Abraham believing what God had just told him. Let us dig in a little bit more as we look at what really was transpiring in Abraham's mind as he chose to believe. Bible says in Romans 4 verse 18, who, that's who being Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, 
but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was a hopeless situation, but Abraham chose to believe in hope. Remember the whole cycle of our trials, everything that we go through when we are tested, ends in hope. We'll be studying that cycle, God willing, in the next couple of weeks. But the truth of the matter is that in those hopeless situations, you have a choice to make. And that choice should be hope. That is why God drops that song in your heart. When confusion and sorrow and pain and gloom settles over you, you should still be able to find a song to sing. That is what hope does. When you choose hope, in the midst of a hopeless, a hopeless situation. So, the next thing that Abraham did is to ask God a question in verse 8 of Genesis 15. And this is what Abraham said. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Oh. So, he believed that God is going to give him a child. He had two questions. He being childless, but also he receiving the promise of inheriting Canaan. So, as God addressed that issue, where he believed that in spite of his advanced age and Sarah being way past her ability to carry a child, and all of those, he chose to believe God. But he still had lingering questions. And that question is about the land. He just needed to know what it's going to be. And that is how sometimes it feels like. It is not wrong to ask God, how is this going to be? Actually, God welcomes it. When we are at that place of desperation and we can't find our way clearly, we need to run back to God. Like Job 35, 10, Run back to God who is our maker. Who also gives us a song in the night. So that we can ask God, how shall I know? How shall I know? Remember, that is crucial for being able to thrive in adversity. Having that assurance in your heart and knowing that faithful is he who has promised that he will do it. It helps to establish you. It helps to bring you to that place of stability. In verse 8, Bible read it again and he said, Lord God, Whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Maybe right now you are looking for that confirmation and you are asking yourself, will this ever happen? Lord, how would I know that you are indeed going to heal me? How will I know that indeed this financial crisis is going to go away? How will I know that my children are not going to be wayward? How will I know that I'll still have a paycheck? How will I know? God will give you an answer. In verse 9, the Bible says, And he said unto him, that is, God said unto Abraham, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. So God's answer to how will I know is to cut a covenant with Abraham. We are going to look at that covenant in the next episode. But for today, I'm going to pause here and let you know. 
God is not angry when we seek reinforcement and affirmation of his promises. So in your dark hours, in your moment of gloom, God wants you to come and engage with him. He wants you to come so he will help you to chart a path out of that situation. And that is your responsibility. We don't have to get bitter in the midst of those situations. Well, it's taking so long. Society is laughing at us. And everything, we are hearing the, the, the sound of the mockery in our ears and it's never changing. We don't have to get bitter. We don't have to get angry at God. And we don't have to lose heart. In a hopeless situation, Abraham chose hope. You can do the same. Hang in there. Keep on trusting God. Keep on believing. Keep on praying. And above all, do submit yourself to God's will. And His love for you. That is totally, totally the biggest thing you need to do. To say, Lord, this is tough. I, I want to do your will. Just let your perfect will be done. That is what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, this is tough. If I have my own way, let this cup pass over me. My Father, not my will, but your will. I saw him through. So imagine the same way I want you to remember. You can thrive in adversity if the adversity doesn't make you bitter. If it doesn't make you angry at God. But like Abraham, you engage with God. You ask God questions. You wait for him to reassure you. So in Abraham's demand, that how will I know it? God said, just watch me. We shall look at exactly what God did, what it meant, as we continue looking at our song in the night, how to thrive in adversity. Thank you so much for joining me. And I pray that God will strengthen you throughout all the challenges that life throws at you. You are not alone in this. God is innate with you. So take his hand and let him walk you through. Thank you so much for joining me. And do subscribe to our channel so that together we can grow in our faith. And download these episodes anywhere you always get your episodes. Your podcast, that is on Amazon, on Spotify, on Google, or whatever you do get your podcast. God richly bless you, and let's see you again next Sunday. Thank you for joining me. Of my life, I worship you today. of Matthew 11 28 to 29 Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest Amen.